a fan of like the dark arts, social arts, yeah. the narcissism of small differences. Uh, right. Your white male skin. Yeah. <laughs> Five years of research. <laughs> Yeah. Podcast by night. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back to Buckle up, baby. Episode forty-three, late night sesh with the one yeah. and only legendary <laughs> Tully Skaist. <laughs> Good to be here. Welcome to the show, Tully. Thank you very so, much. Like, what's yeah, up? Like, what's up? Like, what are you doing? Like, what's up? Like, yeah. how are you? So awesome. <laughs> Good to have you here. This is fun. We're just hanging. Exactly. No agenda. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, you, so you were a rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> is this a theme now in your podcast? Yeah. Yes, we're having rabbis. That episode um, is getting some. I do have a follow-up story. My um, dad's a rabbi. Do you remember uh, Frank, my barber? Yes. So I had a barber who um, who was casually talking to me, and he went, he was cutting my hair, and he goes, oh, I have a son your age. He's yeah. uh, he's around fifty. <laughs> And um, <laughs> what? it was very, yeah, it was very, it was very disturbing. And then this Rosh Hashanah, you got I was, another one. I was at shul, and uh, someone comes over to me, and he, I don't even know the guy. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he stops, and he, he points. He goes, "That's your son." And I look over, and there's like a, a 25 year old guy standing next to me. Oh my god! <laughs> like my no, god. <laughs> he's not Why? my son. Oh, Michael's just getting aged, <laughs> aged every year it by strangers. How, how old is Frank the barber? Frank must be very old. He's like Frank's I have a son in his seventies, I think. Yeah, yeah. he got. Um, I mean, he believe he believes in all lives matter. He oh. then he, from that he went into. But you know how like um, when you get to certain age, don't all lives matter? <laughs> That's but you know how everyone in their <laughs> teens look alike to you, and everyone in their twenties look alike to you. And you, as a guy in your thirties, as you age out of that, like as a yeah. seventy-year-old, anyone below like fifty yeah. and below probably looks a certain age to him. I'm trying to make you feel better. I guess yeah. so. I For the know. record, you don't look a day over thirty-three. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, oh, sure. Tully, you're hailing from my former hometown of Los Angeles, visiting. Yeah. How's LA doing these days? LA. No, it it is it is always interesting. I mean, you and I were talking about this earlier that yeah. there is a bit of a culture shock coming to the East Coast. How so? It's like, um, first of all, the air just feels different in feels a good way. Nice. I like it. I like it here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then also just in like the just the Jewish scene, or at least my scene in LA. Yeah. And then let's say going, you know, going to synagogue today here yeah. in Englewood. Yeah. Felt very different. <laughs> I have forgotten. I said that to you when I first got That's here. It's your I, favorite topic on I, earth. I know, but I forgot like what the East Coast vibe and how apparent it is when you haven't been around oh, it for goodness. so long. Yeah. That East Coast voice. Wow. 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 LA. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like it's it's harsher. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yeah. People are certainly loud. Abrasive. And but I will say, so um, I I had I have this game, and I was just telling someone about this because I, um, I I'm a grad student now, and I tend mm-hmm. to work a lot in coffee shops because mm-hmm. I like coffee shops, and I want to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> and and I and I, I've always I've always liked the energy of a, of like a coffee shop. It's yeah. just, it it works well for me. But lately, I've noticed, in, and this is L.A. Yeah. that in some coffee shops, people are speaking very very loudly. So I started to play a game where if I'm sitting next to a table and they're speaking really loudly, how many in how many minutes or how many terms can I Google search before I find exactly who that person is? <laughs> who they talk? Who they're talking? Who they about? are? But who the person talking? Yeah, who they are? 
Interesting. It's a little creepy, but can it's a lot of fun. Can you actually do that? I've done it with like three people. Based Interesting on what they're people. saying? Yeah, because people, I don't know if this is an LA thing, or mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're selling themselves in some way. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about, you know, who they are, their work, you know, maybe where they've lived, yeah. you know, they're, they're yeah, they're right, selling they're telling themselves. Their story. Like the last guy that I did this that that I did this for mm-hmm. was um was some sort of like you know house real estate agent to the stars. It was in like this was in Beverly Hills, and he was on some of those TV shows, uh-huh. you know. And he was talking all about it, how he was a child star and uh, you know some singer star and all. Yeah, that. The weird and, thing was he was having coffee with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, it, he was like, oh, "Are you listening to me?" One second, this guy won't shut up. It felt that way. It felt that way. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I was like, okay, interesting. And like, but you know, but someone like that is mm-hmm. all over the internet. These people are not trying to hide. Yeah, right. they're trying to be seen. So they're trying right. to be seen. Right. right. So that. That was fun and yeah <laughs> i think they'd have their meetings in more like official mm. places no coffee no. shops yeah. yeah especially in like yeah. if you're in like silver lake or something yeah right? or and like, especially like la and I, I don't know i mean i think a lot of meetings because people work uh, independently a lot mm-hmm. you know so they yeah they meet in coffee shop. i don't know when you were out in la for like like shopping around like your screw your screenplay and stuff like that it, it was, was more like you were going to offices um yeah it was yeah oh, i was going to cool. offices yeah that's cool um, yeah. But I guess we would like meet before and in coffee shops. It's I mean it's so different though. I haven't worked in a coffee shop since like COVID. Yeah, I haven't like uh, I haven't done that. Yeah. Um. So I forgot. Maybe I'm just forgetting. What that's all like. Yeah. I, I always you know I I remember like LA has that reputation right. Everyone's selling themselves and pitching themselves. But I never really, I never really experienced it that way. At least the stereotype of LA wasn't like true. In the in in the it's much more of an exaggeration. From my experience, I don't know. Maybe because I was part of the community there and like the inner Jewish community there, so it's like, are people like, oh, is everyone just flaky there? Like there is that, and like there is that sort of like vibe you're talking about—the coffee shop vibe where you hear that chatter. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I never, I didn't really experience it that much as like uh, I don't know. There's like there's a divide between people who are really doing things and people who talk about a lot of things. Yeah. I did see that, but yeah, I don't know. It seemed to be more. It was more. I had a productive time there, meeting and, and getting real things done, and you know whatever. Yeah, and, you know. and and lots of people do, and it's a little hard to like stereotype locations like that in in twenty twenty two. But yeah. there is there is like a line of like oh we we should get together sometime or we should hang sometime. Yes. that I do find in L A. Maybe hap- de- definitely happens a lot. I'm not saying I don't know how much it happens but in that, other places. Yeah. Don't you think that happens everywhere? That line maybe. means nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I of find like, it's true everywhere. Yeah. Oh, we out. should totally hang out sometime. Yeah, my, my, um, I just find that's a flakiness that like comes with like young adulthood and as you start to like network and whatever, career oriented, like you just say that. I guess. But it, it also goes away, I think. What do you mean? Like at a certain age people yeah. stop saying that and they're and yeah. they're they're comfortable with like, Well, it's good to see you. Right. It's true. Uh, it, it's an it's an art though. I know someone who who <laughs> has elevated the bullshit Jenner. let's hang out. And it's 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 beautiful. You just let it wash over you. I'm like, I cannot believe it's been so long. We have to do something together. I cannot believe our kids haven't met. And you're and and when they're saying it, you're like, I know, I know. And and it's just it's so nice to to be artificial sometimes and just let yourself do that. <laughs> yeah. And not like without just and just just and dive like, okay, into let it. Let it be. Yeah, like this isn't real. Yeah. This, we're not having a. This isn't a conversation. I like that. These aren't plans. Right. We're playing. Yeah. Right. We're playing with each other. Yeah. It's, it's like flirting. Nice. It's like flirting. And you're, great, right. and, and you're great at it. Nothing's right. gonna happen. Yeah. 
But I but you're making I'm me feel dying like it is. We'll have to talk off camera. Yeah. See who this is. It's someone I know. No, no, it's, no. It's purely no. In, in a professional thing, or just somebody outside of the. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, you don't want to narrow specific. it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're just a good I, at it. And I I legitimately appreciate it for what it is as a skill. As a skill, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a fan of like the dark arts, social arts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, am. if something is like dark and manipulative, you're like respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you yeah. ever read uh, Cialdini's work? No. Uh, he's, Who's a psych- he's a psychologist, and he's yeah. a sorcerer who trained totally. <laughs> no, have you no. read Cialdini? <laughs> yeah, I have, I have his name on my. On my arm. <laughs> yeah, I'm a student of Cialdini. <laughs> no, he's legit. He's yeah. legit. He's a legitimate Social researcher. And, yeah, and yeah. and and talks. It's it's not about like manipulation, but you know, marketers love his persuasion. So it's persuasion, persuasion, and you know, yeah. you know, kind of. Um, Doing people favors, yeah. like making so, sure they need to return the favor in some way. Yeah, there's lines like, um, is that something you could help me with? <laughs> when you ask somebody for something, you don't say, can you do this for me? It's like, is that something you think you can do? Mm. And someone will go, someone will go. It was in the Scott Adams book that, that I read. Yeah. I, talks, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott Adams has a whole chapter in that book I yeah. always bring up about uh, how to fail at everything. And still we'll make it about hypnosis and persuasion. He's talking about how Trump, how... How masterfully Trump was persuasive for an audience. Like how could he? How he was able to tap into that skill. Like yeah. why people were taken by him. Remember that guy I told you about who predicted Trump would win the presidency yeah, in like yeah. 2015 when it was a joke. <coughs> yeah. Say that. Um, and we don't have to go there. But <laughs> but anyway, he used to analyze like Trump's sort of tactics and compared it to hypnotists and like how they persuade well. people and manipulate and do all these things. And in his book, anyway, he has a whole chapter on like different ways to get people to do things for you. Right. And it's kind of manipulative and whatever, but he has these lines. And one of them was like, uh, if you're ever asking the bank teller to do whatever, if you need something from someone, <coughs> one of the lines was, I think, like, is that something you, you think you can help me with? Is that something you're able to do? Yeah. So that's nobody wants to say, no, I'm not able to do that. Like nobody wants to yeah. be in a position to say, I'm not capable of that task. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I can do that. And I'm like, and he's like, I'm just warning in the chapter. There's My like, dad this- doesn't think I can, but I can <laughs> help you. Yeah. No, there's a disclaimer in the chapter about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just got darker. He's just really good. Listen- yeah. He's a great listener. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, it was interesting. The the, you know what? The, the whole thing is the the inability to have an uncomfortable moment. Like, and like you could tell how desperately afraid they are. For, for it to be even a little bit awkward uh-huh. of like um there's like um there's something like uh you have to like pity it a little bit and just mm-hmm. enjoy the the ride they create to avoid that for themselves of like oh let's sugarcoat this whole exchange everything yeah because we can't if if we get real it's gonna get weird mm-hmm. so let's just not make it real at all right right yeah i appreciate it yeah, yeah, that's like that. That's yeah, corporate America in a nutshell, in mm-hmm. a sense. Uh, I'm actually I'm looking for jobs right now, so maybe I shouldn't mm-hmm. say that. On well, it, but, but isn't there like a, a movement now towards like um, hyper real, be real? Yeah, like be be very uh, harsh in your criticism, be very upfront and straightforward. Yeah, and like, like candid, candid, right? Candid. Mm. Yeah, is the yeah the word there yeah. is? But is that is that is that you think sincere or it's uh. Yeah, there's this book uh, called Radical Candor that, right, that a right, lot of people right, right. Right, have, been, have been talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, I've been really like passionate about kind of this topic, like feedback, mm-hmm. actually like feedback in a work setting. Is, That's what you're, st- like you're in. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's part of it's very much part of what I'm studying. But even before that, um, ever since I started working, I realized mm-hmm. that that whole thing is awkward. So but the, just to answer your question very simply, the answer is yes. I think that you can get to a place where you could be candid and 
and be real in your feedback. But you can only do that um, if you create psychological safety in, mm-hmm. in your environment. So it has to be safe to do that. And that is totally doable, but that really takes work. So, you know, you, you really can't have one without the other. So in, in workplaces or in any place where there's, where, where there's psychological safety and that's like a, you know, I, the term means, I think, what it sounds like, which means it's safe for people to, you know, mess up. For snowflakes, <laughs> for liberal snowflakes. No. Re- well, I mean, you know, well, these words have a connotation, but that's not in this case, I don't no, think. It means, I think it means, it's more like creating a healthy, healthy It means it's culture, okay to make mistakes. But it's work culture, And it's too, okay to it? say things that, you know, maybe you didn't mean and then apologize. It's very Simon Sinekish, is it not? Uh, probably. See, listen, I have to have a conversation with you, and it's not a comfortable conversation. And I'm going to tell you that now. The CEO of Dell was having a meeting with his staff. He tells this story all the time. And this is why he's such a successful entrepreneur and a successful uh, business owner and business runner. He told them, I have a difficult conversation to have. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at saying difficult things. And I'm telling you all that now up front because I'm going to say things that might make you uncomfortable. But just know I'm uncomfortable having these conversations, so I'm going to try my best. And if you feel uncomfortable by anything, he says, please tell me. Like, that was his whole thing. <laughs> Ooh. So, yeah, I'm like... So his I'm, opens with... Elaine, nice ass. <laughs> I, I can't help myself. Right. Yeah, but he, help he just predicated the whole thing as being vulnerable first, and that created psychological safety for everyone else to be. But they're not. Yeah, am really I wrong? Safe. But you, you seem to I, disagree. I, no, I don't think you're wrong, and I think that vulnerability has its place. It really does. I will just say that I can totally see a person in a in, in, in a position of power yeah. who almost uses that tactic yeah. as a bit of a manipulative kind of tactic to right. be like. I don't know what I'm doing and I might hurt your feelings here and, you know, and kind of you suck or, or whatever, whatever they might say. And that's wrong. And I think that creating psychological safety, yeah. um, it, it takes work. Well, that's why this is so difficult. It, it's so because difficult. You just said, I immediately said, okay, so open. Not that that's the answer, but that seemed like an obvious approach. I'll like, oh, just tell everyone, be honest and open. And then you're like, but that could also be read as manipulative. Totally. Like now you could just say whatever you want totally. with impunity. Yeah. Pl- plus, but, they, plus, they're not free to actually say what they want back to him or tell him. That actually made me uncomfortable. You can't actually say that to the CEO. Yeah. It's like it's not a real. That's offer. why it's ta- it's it's interpreted as possibly disingenuous. Yeah, because you're not yeah. actually saying that. Right. Right. Um, I mean, you're you're listen, saying. Listen, I'm not it, but quoting it verbatim. It. The way right. Simon Sinek described it. Made a lot more sense. Well, when, he, when, he say says, could, when he says anything, because, it makes. Because so I have to unbutton my shirt well, to my belly button. Simon Sinek studied under Cialdini for years. Cialdini, Robert Cialdini, Cialdini, Cialdini. I'm sure. I'm sure he's read his work. Yeah, did so. you hear what happened in NYU with this professor? Uh, no, tell uh, me. So a friend uh, of mine, actually, an organic chemistry professor who was known as one of the best professors, but one of the harshest, because um, you know kids would fail, right? Like organic. That's like. That's like we all know that. It's from, like pre-med. It's like pre-med. Play, yeah, yeah, you take organic chemistry, and some people have passed it. Some people don't. Right, the ones right. who don't don't really become doctors. Right. Um, cool. And a group of like eighty, <laughs> he wrote a textbook, and he's okay. basically working at NYU as like uh, like for fun. Got it. He's like retired and like yeah, yeah. wanted to do this, so he he he's wasn't a goat. He's he a wasn't goat. tenured. The goat yeah. of, of organic yeah, and, like, chemistry. It sounded like if you could get into your, into his class, it was like scary, mm-hmm. but like amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a group of 80 students, or, or maybe it was like 30 to 80, yeah. signed a petition saying, like, we're paying students here. This guy's class is way too hard, and he's, like, really mean, basically. Like, you know, he's condescending, mm-hmm. and he's not giving us all the resources we need, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of us are failing. Um, and they fired him, like, a few weeks ago. Um, the, like the author of the textbook, they and just fired. Become him. a subject yeah. of like controversy. It's become a subject there's, there's of students like who of, stand behind him too. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, a lot of yeah. people are coming out of the woodwork saying, yeah. but but then it, but then it, it's a question of like, 
um, these kids are paying eighty thousand dollars a year right. to go to NYU, and they're like, like, should they fail a class? <laughs> like, maybe they should just get to go to, you know, oh. no, not get any grade they want. But I thought like, you were going to say the opposite. They're paying all this money; they should have some academic standards and not just get a freebie because that's right. But if that's the whole point not, is to get right. a good education. You're not getting your money's worth by firing a good teacher who's has standards and is hard. Uh, right. Yeah, that's that's a good argument. <laughs> I, you know. I think their parents would say, "I'm I'm not like don't kill my kid's med school chances." You know, at all. Like, I'm paying you money. Like, get him, like, help him go to med school. Don't hurt him. But a malpractice lawsuit against a kid who shouldn't have passed will kill his chances, too. Right. So I, so I <laughs> forgot one doctor said, like, uh, I mean, I, I always would say, like, I don't want, I don't want my doctor to be too dumb yeah. to get through organic chemistry. Right. Like, like when my friends were, like, failing, that's what I would say to them. And it's a separate issue that it's too expensive. Kidding, it's too it's, expensive to go. Like, it's a separate thing. So everyone yeah. feels entitled to, like, a, a degree and success. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, the university's rough, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, but no, but he was a guy who worked at this place, and he was doing his job in the way he wanted to do it. Um, and the customers complained, and he, they fired him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> I, I got. <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think, I think that's... That's interesting. But is this the kind of thing you're you're studying organizational psychology? That's yeah, the, that's I mean the, the the official title of yeah. of my degree is called learning and organizational change. The masters in or, uh, in learning and organizational change. Uh-huh. In my mind, organizational psychology because I'm a <coughs> a, a student of Adam Grant. Uh-huh. Um, it makes it just makes more sense. I'm okay. studying people at work. Right. Um, is a simple. But way so to say confrontation it. and assertiveness and all those things. These are like the those are the big topics, right? I would yeah. Imagine. No, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. So is, yeah. was this is like undercover boss? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> you ever see that show? Uh, yeah, uh, is that like Marcus Leonis or whatever? Yeah, yeah uh, right. no, I don't think uh, so. But uh, that's a different anyway, one. Yeah. He goes undercover for his employees yeah, as the yeah, boss yeah. to find yeah. out what's really going on. And then they have this emotional moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that, um, stuff, that stuff's hilarious. <laughs> it probably messes up those employees for life. Tim Dillon has a great I was rant about to on do it. his voice. <laughs> Anything else, Michael? You want to add in here? <laughs> like, okay. Like, there's this like one CEO who like like met this woman who was like a cook and decided to like you know like you don't have to be a cook anymore you can work in the office yeah. and like he was just joking how she like immediately became his sex slave like like the <laughs> he, CEO, like, he theorized yeah like the CEO like goes into like the belly of his thing and like oh, finds all good. the women he wants to like work in his office it's a Jeffrey Epstein scouting <laughs> yeah, thing basically. okay you're gonna come to the office yeah. you don't have to work in the kitchen yeah. you're gonna go to the office but the office is a harem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love Tim Dillon. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying your degree, at work. your degree in psychology. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I, one second. I want to get back to that to that professor for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, there I, was something there. No, no. I want to get back to the that. whorehouse. <laughs> Can you do that? You know, because because who's who's that other um, who's that psychologist? I mean, you know, you know about him who works at Jordan Pe- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who works at NYU Law School and talks about like the fragility of the uh, hate, hate Jonathan hate, hate Jonathan hate amazing guy yeah so what's that book what's <laughs> what's that what's that do you not like him no no I no you told me about yeah. him I just oh, heard the book Scott he wrote? Galloway so talk I about I, him, I, re- so. I read his book um, I'm forgetting the, the name uh, it was like the the American the, the the something of the song yeah. of the American mind or yeah the fragile whatever it was about it was great yeah I I absolutely loved it. And um, I thought he's at Harvard. Maybe he's at NYU. He's, he's at, at NYU. He's at NYU. He's, he's, he's hate. Yeah, Jonathan yeah. Hate. Yeah, brilliant guy. Hate. 
you know, legit, you know, um, he's, he's really like legit. the Stephen Pinker, Jonathan Haidt. He's, he's a really legitimate academic. He's yeah, book him. Book him. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, we, and he had a relationship of sorts with uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. Really? Wow. Yeah. How so? I don't know exactly, but David Bashevkin on the 1840 got him, I think, on the 1840 podcast. Really? Or maybe I'm confusing podcasts. I think so, to talk about. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Wow. Which was really cool. I'd love to um, dig in on that yeah. and find out what that was yeah. about. Did, did Jonathan Sachs like interview him or something? The something of the American there, mind. There was a respect. Was the, the, yeah. coddling, the coddling. The coddling, coddling of the American, of the American <laughs> mind. Yes. It was him and a co-author. I forget who his co-author co- is. Is he yeah. political? So um, it seems like he's become a little bit more political. Mm-hmm. And I, if I understand him correctly, he kind of was very much and raised very much let's call it on the left, but mm-hmm. has been disturbed at the level, especially on university campuses, of things like this right. happening. Yes. Now again, I don't know the specifics of this case, but of, of but he you know, he wrote this book especially after there were some uh, incidences mm-hmm. where professors were saying things and they were deemed to be racists and stuff like that. Brett and Weinstein again, case. The reason yeah, I, yeah, the yeah, reason yeah, I think like he's that. been put in the category of political is only because the case he's making seems to be He's sounding the alarm on things being perpetuated at the university about trigger warnings and safe, <coughs> safe spaces and these things that are very much coddling these mm-hmm. young, this next generation not to be exposed to ideas they're uncomfortable with. And so because that's, I guess you could call left wing, if we're yeah. being brought in our categories, yeah. his stance could be interpreted as political. But it's really, <coughs> it's just criticizing this whole approach in a more sociological way to a younger generation, you know, yeah. that, that's... Uh, yeah, that's being coddled. And I, yeah, you don't and see I, it on right wing. And I think I, I want to be I want to be like somewhat nuanced about this yeah. because I don't think he, you know, like I don't want to make light of honestly of like safe spaces. Mm-hmm. I I think that they have their place and they're important. But um, I forget uh, I forget who um, I I think late at night names are just not yeah, yeah. my thing. So yeah. that's okay. But anyway, there's this uh, we'll put uh, in the CNN. Show notes. Yeah, the CNN anchor. <laughs> uh, um, was being uh, was being interviewed by uh, a CNN uh, anchor, black guy, really well known, very 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 smart guy. Don Lemon? No, not Don Lemon. He's Don not an anchor. Lemon. Only not Don he's, Lemon. Maybe he's not an he's anchor. A he's guy. like he's like a, he's like a, he's a contributor. He, I forget his name. He's he's he was, got a law background. Anyway, he was being interviewed by David Axelrod. Larry Elder. Uh, he was, he, no, he was being interviewed <laughs> by, uh, by 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 David Axelrod. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. Uh, um, Former Obama speech, like campaign advisor. Nice yeah, guy. Ran nice the guy? Obama campaign. Nice guy. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. He, great the podcast. The Axe yeah. Files. Uh-uh. He kind of has uh, an interesting voice, too. He sounds a little like he has this sort of, he had that mustache. Yeah. He shaved it and he looked <laughs> weird forever. <laughs> That's right. He had a very, like, he like had a very mustache. pronounced mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when Obama won in 2012, yeah. they had a thing if he won, he'd shave the mustache. And I could never look at him the same hmm. again. Oh, is that what it was? You knew who he was before Obama? Yeah, if, if you're... If you're no, so, if you, from Obama. From Obama. He he was like... Him and others were, were really behind the Obama campaign. Got and, it. And, yeah, he, and, he uh, was connected to Bill Ayers. They blew up the Pentagon. It was a whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> Welcome to Buckle! Well, anyway. Um, with Alex Jones. Uh, it's like something Jones, actually, I think is his name. Yeah. I, 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 anyway, he was being interviewed at okay. the University of Chicago. Because David Axelrod runs this like center of politics at the University of Chicago. I was interviewing and asking him about these things. And basically what this guy said to the students at the University of Chicago is that um, <coughs> when you go to the gym, you got to work hard. You, gotta, mm-hmm. you should lift heavy weights, you know, sweat it out. 
sometimes you lift something and it's too heavy, you got to put it back down. He's like, that's what university is, right? I want you to work hard. I don't want you to be comfortable here. Yeah, be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. And so, again, within reason, you still have to have psychological safety. You still have to have a place where, you know, how do I say this? You still have to have a place where it's okay for people to mess up and then apologize uh, for it. And also where people are not being mean to each other, where people are not like purposefully, you know, yeah, like I think I think that's cool. Like I, I'm not I'm not into that. Well, but, the devil's in the details. But being uncomfortable, yeah, you're right. And I mean, what that, does that mean? A Halloween costume so, as so, a Native American, so and the fair. whole college goes well, ballistic. Well, the, 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 or the bigger question is, somebody. is their psychological safety. What if what if the student body's uh, psychology is so different than what we think yeah. is a strong psychology, where like they are being traumatized by a mean professor. So for them, safety is right, and that's than that's Jonathan Haidt's kind of point, uh-huh. right? About why, or one of his points of, of like why uh, students, especially now, are like so quote unquote soft in some way, but like they're going in already being trained to like you know mm-hmm. be afraid or something or, or be. Well, I think but, he traces a lot of it to the fact that in their childhood, some of it they yeah. were given such positive reinforcement and encouragement Ooh, re- that- by their parents who never wanted them to experience a loss or pain or. Uh. They, everyone got a trophy. <coughs> no matter, there were no winners. There were no losers. If a teacher had an issue with a kid in elementary school, it was the what's wrong with the teacher. There's not like, you know, this sort of some of that, some of that, some of that for sure. Coddling. Some of that for sure. They were coddled as kids and never, and the, the parents didn't want their kids to feel uncomfortable. We had an issue with the word pedestal on the last yeah. episode. Uh, I said pedestal. What was his? What was his problem with it? What did he think you were saying? Who knows? I I, I didn't understand what he meant. I said the word pedestal. It's pedestal. Hey, I, re- yeah. I, re- I watched and it. And he but, thought I said something else. Maybe something to do with stool, like poopy. Oh, is that <laughs> what it was? I have no idea. I'm not in his head. We gotta get. We gotta get back. <laughs> anyway, take, take I'm not sure what the. I haven't yeah. read the book, but I think he's oh. like these kids are going in with wearing gloves so, no, and not expect and, and not expecting to feel made uncomfortable. So, and a lot of it traces back to how their parents raised them. So the, the, it's, there's the, a generation of parents that want yeah. to be buddies with their kids, and they don't want their kids to ever be uncomfortable or feel loss or pain. It's hard as a parent to see your kid upset. You know. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure if that's his thesis, but I think he's no, talked about that too. No, that's part of it, and, and he's, then they go, he's part of the, he he um. He's connected with this woman who runs like a movement of like, I, I'm going to get the name wrong, but like free range parenting or yeah. like where, where you yeah, yeah. like give your kids some freedom. Yes. Yeah, Let them play. The outside. helicopter parents that were always like anti that. Exactly. Anti that. And out but, of helicopter parenting come university students that don't know what it's like to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But I mean, what yeah. I'll say to your point before of like, like where wh- the question of like, where's the line? Yeah. I think that's a totally legitimate question. Yeah. What I would want, what I always strive for. And like, we've had these, these conversations many times that's is good. like, is like if we are now if, I'm listening. I, w- I wasn't going to be listening, but now I'm listening. Yeah. Right? It's like <laughs> as long as we're coming with kind of certain values that we think are important, right? Then we could have that conversation and maybe an understanding and maybe even a disagreement about There's where always that a line competi- is. A hierarchy of values. So what are the values? Is it to get these kids equipped and have their ideas and ways of thinking really highly developed and strong? Because that comes at the cost of being uncomfortable and confronting ideas you don't like. Yeah. I feel like that trade-off, you can't get one without the other a little. You can't be fully psychologically safe and discuss Hitler's motivations or, you know, other interpretations of atrocious events. You're right. You're right. That That are really hard to watch or or think about or, like, consider just to get into the mind of, you know, you, you go into a lecture where you're talking about atrocities or genocide and you're trying to understand it or you're faced with ideas you've never heard before, like... 
that's going to come at some cost of psychological safety. Certainly. The question is when you're doing targeted abuse at somebody that has no educational value. I mean, everyone can agree on that. Well, well, I think they accused right? like, this professor uh, of that. That that was the accusation. Was, yeah. So then that that's a gray area where they're like, that is what he's doing, and but, the, and then he's like. I mean, that's what you feel like I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. But like I'm not. And they're like, Yeah, that is what we feel like but we're doing. But this sounds like so a case then, that so could have happened. Real? What's but this, real this what's case at NYU with the chemistry teacher sounds like it could have happened in any era where it's a specific teacher who's aggressive and people were getting yeah. worked up by him. It doesn't seem like a product of like there was an issue at Yale with the Halloween costumes that it, uh, uh, that the the head of like the student activities or whatever sent out an email a couple of years ago and this was a famous clip that went viral. And she sent out a clip about like Guys, nobody complained about Halloween costumes this year. Like, let's all just relax. And just from that preemptive attempt to, like, calm everybody down, people went absolutely nuts. And the kids on campus acted like they were completely oppressed. Meanwhile, they're at Yale. It's a little funny to watch. Like, you see these kids screaming at this guy, claiming he's an oppressor and his wife's an oppressor. And it just all seemed a little bit much. Thoughts? But I think part <laughs> of what we forget sometimes, and I, I, maybe this is, this is, like, a different approach, I think we forget sometimes that like college kids, like it's a different age and place and yeah. like like what you think is important in the world. And I don't want to, I'm not belittling it all. I think it's amazing, right? Like right. like university age students are yeah. incredible mm -hmm. um, and passionate and brilliant and all that. Um, but it's sometimes, it, a lot of, I think what college kids do look funny to older so folks. So in a way you don't take it that seriously, respectfully. I, like it's not representative of anything to but be concerned because a lot of times the administration is capitulating to them. Yeah. Use that word right? Yeah, they're they're giving in. They're firing the professors. Brett Weinstein right. was fired from Evergreen University. There was a case. Brett Weinstein, you know Brett Weinstein, right? right. You remember his story? He started, yeah, yeah, he started yeah, yeah. the Dark Horse podcast. <coughs> talked about ivermectin a right. whole lot. But his whole story of how he became part of the intellectual dark web was he was at Evergreen University. Bernie Sanders supported left wing guy, sure. so it wasn't like a tribal sure. thing, but. There was a rule at Evergreen University that wanted to ban white students from campus for a day. The, yeah, yeah, I remember. And he said, story. "Hey, whoa! It's yeah. one thing to have avenues of celebration for individual groups or whatever, but you can't single out one group to be not allowed on campus." And he spoke out against it, and they stormed his office, and there yeah. was a mob. And you said, "Yeah, means for apologizing." First of all, it's one th when you apologize to a mob, it never works. That's not that's not what they really no, a mob want. Mob is a mob. But yeah. even so, like to to I think he was on the correct side of that argument and and the administration fired him now i remember he feared for his safety yeah i saw the clips crazy. they were surrounding his office yeah. so that's also a part of being in college also you, you i get it you're looking for a cause you're looking to be on the i'm not saying the motivations are bad they want to be on the side of something like meaningful in a way you're looking for meaning and you're looking for purpose and if everyone's been deemed like when you see these protests to speakers on campus ben shapiro shows up somewhere people haven't read a single thing of his or anything most of the time i don't recommend doing so <coughs> personally but anyway. fair enough you can have your position on it but there's a lot of people who think oh there's some bad guy who's here yeah. let's all fight it yeah so it's motivated maybe by a place of wanting to and feel actually i take that back i mean you can read 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 whatever you want but yeah. um yeah, you know, but would not, you equate Ben thing. Shapiro as uh, a Richard Spencer white supremacist? Coming no, I don't to think he's a white supremacist. That needs to be stopped. No, I, I, my problem with Ben Shapiro is no. not that he's a. I don't know whether or not he's a white supremacist. Do you really? I, I, I highly doubt he is. But I, I wouldn't. He's a Jewish. He's a Jewish guy with a yarmulke. <laughs> I'd be crazy to think he's a white supremacist. Um, I Absolutely think. ridiculous. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, my problem with like Ben Shapiro and like. Put us on the map to like that. do it. <laughs> we need no, some clicks. It's just like what 
what I want to ask the guy, like, what is what is your mission in this world? What are you bringing to society? Mm. Are you bringing like goodness into this world? Are you bringing positivity? Are you, um, you know, you, like I don't know. Do you like, not think he believes that? I, I'm, I'm, you, th- I, I'm, uh, do you? Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, asking if you, th- I, I, I don't think, I'm not saying you think he's doing that. Do <laughs> you don't think he believes he really feels passionate about these things and cares a lot about the issues? No, he talks I think about? he feels passionate, but I think that what he does is he makes his listeners feel angry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like y- you can believe it and have a positive effect on the world. He believes it. It doesn't seem like he's helping anyone or helping anything. Is other that, that, other than like, sowing you know, the divides of tribalism, very very much. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. very very that, that, much. What that's I'll say a really is good this. way to put it. I really like that. I really like that. What I'll say is this: I think, temperament wise, he's evolved a little bit over the years. But there was certainly a time, and I heard him say it explicitly, giving a talk like. The goal is not to convince the, the liberal you're arguing with that they're wrong. It's to make them look foolish and make them look like an idiot. Yeah. So you're right in you're, uh, in some ways. I think he came at it hot, like much more aggressive. And over the years, first of all, you have to remember when he like was rising. To, he has like <coughs> he was nationally syndicated at like 19. Like so, he was he's a kid who skipped grades, sure. got bullied a lot in elementary school and high school and high school. Like I, I, I mean, know. so he had yeah, a little bit of this. Does he talk about that? I don't know. A little yeah, bit. Yeah. I mean, and I know about. I don't it. know if high school actually. I don't know. I don't know what I'm a high school. Yeah, 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 high school. Yeah, okay, it was high school. And he and, got he got an abortion. <laughs> is that public? Um, it's not public. This oh, is you're first. breaking news. Hot here. take. Um, very that's rare good. case. Yes, yes. Um, um, but he got it. Um, he was aborted. Actually, he survived, he and that's survived. why he's upset. He got. He's like, what the hell? He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop fighting. <laughs> um, little guy. So no. So I think I think that everyone has a psychological sort of profile of what is a product of their influences. And we're familiar with his story and his background coming from the same orthodox world. Like, we know where he's been and all that, like the schools he went to. And I do think that that certainly informed a lot of his early days um, punditry of, like, combative, fight this as a fight. And a lot of his argument for that, I remember at the time, was they've been demonizing us conservatives for years, calling us the worst of things, so I'm going to fight fire with fire. I'm not going to have a genuine debate in good faith with somebody who's calling me a Nazi. For no reason, without evidence. And that was his case. Over the years, I have seen him, like, b- become much, like, you know, sort of calm it down and, and reach across the aisle for, at least in terms of debate, and debate people. He's had trans guests on his show to talk about issues. Right. He's, he debated uh, Annika Spiron of the Young Turks in front of, at the, at the I think it was the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Like, he's engaged with the other side, and as he's sort of proven himself in terms of, I think, being successful on his own right, and built up his brand, he's been less combative in the way you're talking about that, I think turned a lot of people off. Or even if the argument makes sense, it's like, people are hating you for, like, you're making people, you're, you're upsetting people. And he seems, you know, the whole facts don't care about your feelings. I yeah, that, so that line, facts don't care, you know about this? Facts don't did, did care about your feelings. That? Yeah. I mean, how? <laughs> Michael respects but, the dark arts. But you know what? Remember that. I mean, that's true. Tully has always hated this line. Yeah. I think it's a terrible well, line. Right, why? Because we're, we're people, and and as a people, yeah. as a as a as a human talking to another human, yeah. I one hundred percent care about your feelings. I like like that's not really what the line means though in the context. Uh, yeah, but no, no, but 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 that's this whole thing. Like, no, it's all about facts and uh, you know, <laughs> not like, bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, like sure, facts are really really important, mm-hmm. right? And and I understand and 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 
but but when you're dealing with other people, yeah, the first thing you care about or one should care about mm. is their fi- is their feelings, is their humanity. Um, you know, I mean, get kind of getting back like to what I'm into, uh, like. Um, so like Richard Thaler, who's uh, who's a behavioral economist, mm. and then we'll get back to Ben Shapiro. Absolutely, because no, I do want to oh, take I do want to take you to task on that because no, I was joking. I want to. I don't. I'm not. Okay. Oh, so so, so, so <laughs> Richard Richard Thaler has this line, you know, because like economists, you know, like to talk about people as being purely rational. Oh yeah, totally. you know, right? Yes, yes, and yes. he says, oh, you know, there's there's. Homo sapiens and there's Homo economicus, <laughs> and he says there's humans and econs, and humans actually are not purely rational, totally, and they have feelings and they have all sorts of things, and they're coming from all sorts of different places, and there's psychology and sociology, and there's you know the, all these things that make us who we are, yeah, and so yeah, that's why I don't like facts. Uh, I don't care about your feelings. So well, here's what I'll say: there's problems with that line. Obviously, it does not account for the totality of human experience and empathy and struggle and all these other things that yeah. can inform policy and all these things that I think is missing from that in a way. But it does cut to something when applied that I think when he brought it, I think when it was coined, like a lot of what the issues he was talking about was things that he would that were politically incorrect or uncomfortable to talk about, but ignoring them or, or because they make people uncomfortable uh, cause more harm than good for those same people that we are purporting to like speak on behalf of. For example, if he was calling out issues from his perspective, just let's take him at his word as genuine, like this is what I think is wrong in minority communities or what's going on here, and this is what I think would help minority communities. He, would, he could say things that his opponents would demonize him for, because it caused hurt feelings, but he would genuinely believe that, uh, you know, lack of two parent families and other cultural issues that are going on are what's really causing it and not systemic racism. That's like a, a bench pure argument. Facts don't care about the feelings. This is what the data indicates. So that's what I'm going to talk about, because addressing those points on the data would actually help mm-hmm. the, that would actually help the black community so, that I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just presenting the argument as such as. That how facts don't care about your feelings is applied, I think, I, from his perspective. I completely, it is missing a lot of things. I completely but, hear what you're saying, and I think everything you said is like nice really thing. smart and legitimate. Yeah, but I think. Yeah. That, but thank <laughs> you guys so much for watching. <laughs> if you do j- just the way, he, there's so many other ways to phrase facts don't care about your feelings that's constructive and inviting. But you said it's a great brand. Instead of it the, already I mean, sticks. You know, it, you know it, it is for what he's trying to do. It's, right. it's it's really effective and smart and sharp and great. But um. But the issue a lot of but times really is it's temperament, a, not what he says. It's how he says it, right? Um, You're saying there's stuff missing? What were you saying? I cut it off. Um, no, no, ju- no, just like that, that, that tagline is, is, is indicative of his attitude towards it. Yes, of, in um, all ways. Like that, yeah. I'm just going to say what I say on data alone right, and forget I mean, about you, how it right, resonates right, and right, connects. Because you, you, the line could be something like, if we want to get to a deeper truth, we have to talk about data. Or something, or like, or like, if if, if we're going to get through this together, then we need to take the facts into account. And you I know? would say that's more Sam Harrisy. That's how he does this kind of thing. If you listen to Sam, also, okay, if you so, listen to Sam so, Harris so, talk about so, issues, we have to talk about the data. I mean, it's relevant. Like he he very much is like that. Where Benchmer is more firebrand. So here's another thing about some of those folks, and and again, I'm, I'm Ben's but, calling in by the way, so we're gonna <laughs> yeah. But another thing that I think bothers me about. Um, some of these people, and yes. you, you could insert name, and maybe even Sam Harris, who, who, of course, you know, these people, obviously, they're very smart yeah. and have a lot of really good things to say. Not all of them, but certainly Sam Harris. Mm. He's got some, some great things to say. Um, there's no question about it. 
Um, but I, I also have like an issue and this has a lot to do with just me, maybe me and maybe mm. how I was raised with people who, when you're listening to them, it seems that they've never gotten anything wrong in their life. And they just have the answer to everything. And they've thought about everything always. And they're 100% right. They don't doubt anything they say. Um, and I'm... A lack of humility in that sense. I, yeah, I'm, well... A certainty that yeah, makes I don't me know. suspect. I, maybe it's just because, like, I, I, I doubt lots of things. And, like, I, you know, I, I love Adam Grant, who, you know, who, whose last book is about rethinking everything and trying to be, you know, trying to act a little bit more like a scientist and, you know consider viewpoints and change your mind. And I try to change my mind about, I, well, I, I do, I do change my mind about things. I've changed my mind about lots of things in, mm -hmm. in my life. And I, I hopefully will continue to do that. You've always and been a little suspicious of certainty. I am very, what? very, very suspicious of certainty. So what is it about, yeah. you know, I'm the same way. What is it about the way you grew up that made you? I think my dad's uh, a skeptic if we want to start there. Okay. My, uh, and, 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 and so that is probably a big, uh, I think I was also, I was raised on the one hand by a dad who is a skeptic, on the other hand, in a community um, that is, um, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word fundamentalist because that sounds negative, but it, it was a lovely, commu beautiful community, but, but, but orthodox. Strictly observed. An orthodox People community. had many wives. It was yeah, but, but, kind but, of but in, but, <laughs> <laughs> but in orthodox community where, where, where there's a certain orthodoxy to right, things right. and, there, and, and it, you know, skepticism is not always encouraged. Right. Um, it's fundamentals in the way they're not questioning exactly. the basic they're, principles. Right. Right. They're, not, they're, they're not questioning but the But Tully, do you yeah. think yeah. there's a part of so you I that... Maybe that's something, I don't know. Is there yeah. a part of you that in that, in that give and take of, <coughs> of grappling with your past, do you sometimes risk throwing the baby out with the bathwater and being too skeptical of everything? As a, as a response. So... We're like, yeah, I can't be sure of any of that. For sure. No, oh, oh. A hundred percent. And that's something to watch out for too. Uh, what, yeah, one hundred percent. Right. That is that's right. really really important. And that by the that's Russian, no, I've seen it too. Where it's no, like, but, but well, then what can you be no, certain of? That's Russian if, propaganda, right? Like 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 uh, as I understand. No, it's it. not. <laughs> what I as say. I understand, like no, this idea of of stowing. Uh, skepticism into society and into oh, every. oh, we, into everything. Oh, mm. I don't know if we could believe that. Um, it's also uh, Amalek uh, getting Jewish over here yeah. uh, in the Torah, right? Amalek, Gematria, Suffolk, yeah. I think, right? It, always, always being unsure and always being mm -hmm. like, you know, um, yeah, I agree with you. You can, you can absolutely take that, like most things, to an extreme that is unhealthy. And I'm sure at times I've done that. Mm. Um, but, you know, you try to get to some balance and, you know, where you can. This is also why I think it's like it's 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 important to be a student in the world. Like it's important to be a learner because you try to connect the things that you've learned to other things that you've learned and develop and constantly, you know, develop some sort of element of, mm -hmm. you know, truth or yeah. I don't know about yeah, orientation of, of orientation. And that shifts mm -hmm. and that changes, but it doesn't mean you just throw everything out. Are you aware that Ben Shapiro came out with an article a few years ago saying, here's a list, oh, of, ten, about this guy. <laughs> a list of 10 things where I was wrong, which I thought was an admirable thing to do. He wrote like a bullet point thing and then we can move on. But he, I'm just... He's like, liberals are actually dumber than I thought they were. Correct. No, I, did, uh, no, he, I didn't he, know that. He came out with a whole thing good. of no, all the articles that, that he disavowed because he was 19 and combat. Like he sort right. of admitted to his right. previous temperament and as a way to sort of... That's good. You know, and he wrote all the things because he's kept also at Q&A's being like, you wrote this myth. He's like, 
and and he sort of like says, "Did you read the whole Twitter thread?" But like eventually, you can't contextualize yeah. everything. And he's like, "I shouldn't have said that." That's good. And he wrote a bunch of things, and he said, and and, and he did it so he could sort of be done with it. And he sort of scaled back. Good. He's written all these things. And you're gonna say a lot of you said college age kids I, are gonna but, say stupid way, things. I he mean, was like 19. I mean, what I strive to do. I love you, Ben. Yeah. What <laughs> I, what, I love you, Ben. What, what I would hope for myself personally, and 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 certainly for a guy like Ben Shapiro, he should be writing a this list. This episode is sponsored by the Daily Wire. Yeah. yeah. He should be writing a list like that every year. Oh. Every year before Rosh Hashanah or right. whenever, some sometime. Ten things I was wrong about this year. Ten yeah. things I'm rethinking. Should change. Does it, does it bother you that he's representing the Jewish community also? For me, that's like over 80% of what truly bothers me. It absolutely bothers me. I think mm-hmm. that the Ben Shapiratization of modern orthodox Shoot, we Judaism. And, and of, <laughs> just trying to throw in the article thing. Now I got to ping pong this. And, of, and, and, of, or of, 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 and I see this on social media of, of where we got to rip that person to shreds and we are absolutely this. There's an arrogance to it mm. and a... Um, but what, because he's wearing a, a yarmulke? I don't know. He's not about, out there saying I'm a spokesperson for Judaism. But I do Judaism. know that a lot of people in the modern Shouldn't more orthodox, people just wear yarmulkes then? And speak I, their I, mind. I've been, I've been wearing my yarmulke a lot lately. We yeah. can talk about that. No, he, I, I'm, I'm, I have, you know, yeah. meaningful people. Shout yeah, out. Sure, sure. They actually had him on, and I, I saw a clip oh, did of they? it. Oh, yeah, I didn't listen. And, he, I wanted to. and they asked him about forever. about the keep, like wearing the keeper. Has that been an issue for you? Yeah. And he quoted like Rav Soloveitchik and the whole school of being out into the world and being a student of the world. Like he spoke about it, being a learner, being somebody who is. You sh- why? Why the fact that. He's like he, he he criticized the idea of of cultural Judaism. People who really aren't in any identifiable way Jewish, but they identify as Jewish. But they, 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 there's nothing about them that is any in any. You can take issue with this because who cares? It's other people's lives. But the idea is that people have this perception not of a Ben Shapiro type of Jew, but of someone who's like, yeah, I'm Jewish. I'm Larry David. I'm Jewish. But there's nothing yeah identifiable or spiritual or like we've divorced. Jewish identity from a lot of its meaningful tenants and identify identifiers yeah. in a way, and he thinks that that's not a good thing. That there should be more people who are proudly Jewish in ways that are much more. I agree overt. with Ben Shapiro. On that. <laughs> so yes. I actually thought that was a good yes. answer. Yes, and I'm like, if if maybe the issue is not Ben Shapiro wearing it because that nobody else is. Yeah, and and and, and just just for the just to to clarify, I don't have a problem with his yarmulke being worn. You brought it up to Tilly that he's going around prancing around with a little keep uh, no, talking no, a oh, bunch of stuff. No, no, I, no, I don't no, think that's no, what he not, was no, saying. That's not that's yeah. what I meant about the keeper thing. Um, but then otherwise, how is he representing Judaism quad Judaism out there? Um, it's because he's wearing the keeper. That's true, <laughs> but 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 that's not what bothers me about him so much i mean he's not it's not just wearing the keeper. i mean he talks about learning and and he's like it's not just the keeper. but i think like like to what you said i think there are people in the community who look up to him as as like a, as sort of like a new like ideal or like even like career path absolutely or like the way to be that's right. my issue yeah, my issue is like, not that he's wearing a keeper. Yeah. it's great and, yeah. and my and also like he might he probably actually he's probably a good lovely person yeah he probably I, learns and, way more than i do and keeps shabbos and kosher better uh, oh he's a very sweet guy in yeah person. yeah no, 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 I'm, I'm he's sure, very sweet i'm sure, sure i'm sure he's is. and i'm sure he's i'm sure he's also a a good person in mm-hmm. many ways yeah yeah but what, what no I, my problem is is that the uh, a this lot of people idol, in the orthodox community have taken to to love him and what he represents and this combativeness and this like yeah, I gotta put the other person down and own the libs, the own the, yeah. the libs yeah. culture. I'm like, why? Yeah, and, well, and also the, the framework for like, 
Like I, I, I'm like old enough to remember a time when like we didn't look at every single thing as as in like the political framework. Yeah, like yes. um, like. Well, but I, I, eight years ago, like if something happens, you wouldn't be like, oh, like what's like, how does that like reflect on sure. d- Democrats and Republicans? But don't you think as the fringes become so nuts, there's a lot more consensus in the of like common sense is more the it is becoming a little more in vogue. I hope so. I think a as a response more. to it and Ben Shapiro and, and anyone else left, right and center of him who isn't like woke or far right. <coughs> Who has like you know because the far right hates Ben Shapiro too. He's been like the during the Trump year like when Trump was running, Ben Ben was very critical of Trump and he and he was was like, he a fan of Trump's facts? No, <laughs> okay, no, but he yeah. was the most he had a, like the most anti-Semitic uh, on record. The most anti-Semitic mm-hmm. attacks were against Ben Shapiro mm-hmm. during Trump's candidacy because oh, he didn't support because he didn't support him initially in twenty sixteen. Right? Okay, and like there are these far right identitarians yeah. who I don't think are really on the ascent the way people describe it but they were there and they're after bench and they're calling him all these horrible things sure. and and anyway he didn't make friends in that in those circles either and then you have uh a lot of the woke like on the ascent which is pushing people like who were traditionally like in media like bill mars of the world and those kind of people away from them so then bill maher is on ben shapiro's show and then he's on yeah, bill maher's yeah. show. They, yeah. and they've had exchanges whereas i think pre all this at once upon a time, they would have been political enemies and wouldn't have. Well, Bill Maher has also had people on who have disagreed with him, but they would have been critical of each other most of the time, as opposed to now becoming more like houses uniting away again, yeah, for the sake of being able to just discuss ideas. Yeah. Back to what we're saying about psychological safety. It's like there's people sort of galvanizing around, like, this is too crazy. Like, the regulations of speech, policing speech, assuming intention, cancel culture, all these kinds of things. You know? Yeah, so you know, I, I I was part of this um, of this group in in Los Angeles called New Ground, yeah. right, where we were working on Jewish Muslim uh, relations, uh, Jewish Muslim coexistence, engagement, engagement. No, exactly. It wasn't like a breeding thing, <laughs> <laughs> like a Jewish summer camp. But, yeah. but Ladies like, and gentlemen, so- meet Muhammad Schwartz. <laughs> We did it. <laughs> 25 <laughs> years of research. Oh, my God. He's both. Oh, my God. That's good. That's oh a God. good bit. That's yeah. a I'm good at- bit. Oh, my God. So, uh, but, and and I, I, you know, this experience really uh, has shaped me in, any, in many ways. Like, I, I, I had a, a, I had a really powerful experience doing this. And, um, but one of the things I learned is that, to have difficult conversations and to really have them where you're really listening to someone and you're really trying to understand their perspective mm. and you really want to share who you are, it takes hard work. Mm. It just does. And um, yeah, like it's all these things like like we know that the, you know, the, the, the marketplace for that is very difficult because you want clicks and, mm. you know, you want eyes and, and stuff like that. Um, but the more uh, that we can get to a place in society where we are putting in some work to actually have those conversations. Um, who know, are, I think the better off that will yeah. be. Who are some people you think do that well today, publicly? Oh, like public uh, like public people? I would say Rogan, in my opinion, does that really well. I think so, too. When he sits down with somebody, he's talking to them, and they're talking yeah. to him. He's not, like, waiting for his moment to prove him for a talking point to come in and say this. Like, he's always... He genuinely listens. curious probably uh-huh. true i don't know enough about joe rogan mm-hmm. I, I yeah and i'm i don't have like a strong opinion yeah. there so yeah totally probably yeah um one other person like who's an interviewer yeah a little different than rogan who i have a lot of admiration for and i just think he's just such a great interviewer because he's so 
non-judgmental and he'll ask anything is, is it? Howard Stern. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Howard Stern. Yeah. And he yeah. cuz well, of course. He'll he'll ask he'll ask anything, but he's genuinely curious mm-hmm. and it's so clear. Um and I yeah, like I really I admire that. Cool. I mean, the, what what's amazing but, about Howard Stern's journey is like he went from like in our childhood, like, you know, having like strippers on, jack. shooting yeah. hot dogs out of yeah. their ass, to talking to Hillary Clinton, yeah. which he, which she should have done before the election. Because that's the only time I've ever seen her be a little bit guard, let guard down, not as calculated. He was able to kind of get her to talk a little bit more. But he has created this sanctum in, the, in his studio where he can ask whatever he wants. Like, there's a permission when you go on the show, like, you can ask me whatever you want. Like anybody on there, he goes, you know, and I really like he 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 asked tough questions, like you know. Can you imagine if she went on and she it was just like complete honesty, like yeah, me and Bill have killed people, sure. <laughs> I, I just knew that. Robin, you believe that? I always knew that. I always knew you killed people. Yeah, we killed an intern yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what he's get get people to confess yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, that that's very Tim Dillon of you. <laughs> I want to get back to the keeper thing. Oh, okay. If that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out also what bothers me about the keeper, but yeah, let's. Well, let's not, talk. I, I, I actually want to leave Ben Shapiro's side mm-hmm. for a second, but we can bring him back. We'll if bring you him figure, back. We'll yeah, bring him back. Fa- I'm sure we'll bring him back. We'll find a way. I'm sure we'll we find will. a way. Um, <laughs> no, but I, and and but this is connected to something you were saying before, also because I I found it. <coughs> look for for the first, I don't know, twenty years of my life, I would not have uh, a. I would not. I would not have considered leaving my home or, or really being in life without wearing a yarmulke, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Without wearing a kippa, a yarmulke. You had a naughty phase. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna explain what a kippa is. Yeah. If anyone, oh, yarmulke, skull yeah, 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 yeah. skull cap. Yeah. No, but you did it. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, and, and like the way I explained it recently to a, to a classmate, it, it would been like if you told me, oh, you know. Go to the grocery store, but just just take your yarmulke off. It would feel probably the way it feels to the average person to say, "Oh, take your pants off." And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, you could wear wear, wear your underwear, but take your pants off. Mm-hmm. Like it's just yeah, yeah like yeah. It's, it would yeah. be it would be bizarre. Totally. I get that feeling. That yeah. makes sense to mm-hmm. me, right? Yeah. And um, and then and then so this is just my personal journey with 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 wearing a yarmulke. And then and and I pretty much wore it all the time, you know. Um, and then uh. At one point, I started working, and I, I worked in a, at a financial services firm for a couple of years, and for a couple of reasons, and uh, you know, based on conversations with like the with my boss there and whatever, I decided to not wear a yarmulke to work. Mm-hmm. And then, so and I didn't, right. and, and and I was fine. I was okay. It was it's all good. And I, you know, people make decisions to wear or not wear their yarmulke. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I moved to Turkey to Istanbul, Turkey, and I, I didn't wear uh, a yarmulke there. Um, and you know, why that is, 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 is an interesting question, but the the answer really is because no one in the Jewish community does. And, um, and anyway, I probably wouldn't have wanted to also based on my work, cause I wasn't working in, in like a religious capacity. The Jewish community there is pretty secular and I was not working. Is there a safety issue wearing it publicly? Is there or isn't there? I'm not sure. There's certainly a perceived safety issue, and no one does. So mm. it's like you don't want to be the idiot that right. that, that, that tries. Just but gonna, yeah. but I'm, I'm not 100% sure, and that's an interesting question. Like one person to really talk to about this would be um, the the 
Ashken, the chief Ashkenazi rabbi of, 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 Turkey. of Turkey, uh, and who's also the Chabad rabbi there, mm-hmm. uh, his name is Rabbi Mendy Chitrik, mm-hmm. uh, who's awesome. He also has a podcast that's Chitrick. really great. Is he um, a Levi Chitrik's? Well, whatever. He's probably, this here. <laughs> I'm sure he's really, he's from that, he's from that family. He's from that family. So, yeah, yeah, the family. Yeah. He's great. And, and I, yeah, I, you defer I, to him to explain. No, but and I think I think and he has a lot to say about this also because he now has been traveling um, in other places in the Middle East. So, for example, like in Dubai, it's interesting. You could you could walk around Dubai now wearing yeah. wearing a yarmulke, no problem. Mm-hmm. So can you or can't you in Istanbul now? I'm not sure what the answer is. But anyway, also I was I, I was not working there in my capacity as a religious Jew. I was yeah. working there as a Jew. Yeah. But not so it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then so coming back to the states afterwards, I also just didn't wear my. Yamaka. You got used to it. I, got, I totally got used to it. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know. And so when I started graduate school at Northwestern, mm-hmm. I decided I'm not going to wear my yarmulke. Maybe I didn't even make that conscious decision, but it was just like, okay, mm-hmm. now that's like my life or at least right. my professional mm-hmm. life. I just don't do it. But then I started having conversations with people, especially when we talk about identity. And I realized that there's a certain, t- there, there are like these shared assumptions that people have. Um, so for example, even, and one person even said this to me, like very, very explicitly after, I I don't even remember the context of the conversation exactly, but they said, oh, and you could understand this as a white man. And I was like, whoa, wait one second. (laughs) So like I grew up, um, you know. Well, no, I, I, I'm like, like no, I, I grew up no, as a woman. No, I'm like, no, I'm, the whole thing was you never identified as I'm, that. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking to myself, I grew up in Matisdorf in Jerusalem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you know, and um, in like did, an ultra orthodox, uh, you know, environment. Did they say you couldn't understand this, or you could understand? This? No, I. No, they, they, they were assumed, saying I could. They, they were saying like, 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 like as a as a white man, you mm-hmm. can understand X. And I'm I'm like, what about my? Like I'm, I'm like I remember. I, I uh, like the thoughts were just going and going and going, and again, this is distinct from white privilege, and you know we could talk about that. That that's that's a different uh, thing. topic, but that's kind of what they meant, though, no? Not, I don't think so. Okay, more, I, I, maybe I don't think so. More, more, more of like an identity, yeah, you know, thing. But I realized like that is absolutely not my identity, mm-hmm. and and while my parents, I mean. You know, is what is certainly white, mm-hmm. Jewish, white, whatever. Yeah. I, I also realized that if truly my identity is like Jew, and that is my identity yeah. very much, right. I was like, and if I'm comfortable doing so, I'm going to put on a symbol more purposely that's going to tell people Jew is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I. Decided that I'm gonna wear a yarmulke. I uh, I've been struggling with the same issue because um, I've mm. never taken it off until I started doing more edgier comedy stuff. Uh-huh. And in but the, you would perform. You wouldn't perform in it, would you? Always. Really? Yeah. Always. Would you sometimes perform wear music? a hat? Yeah. You perform okay. music in it, yeah. but either either music. either head your, either your no yarmulke. Head was always covered. Yeah. Huh. With the exception, mm. photo shoot. Okay. Anything that could circulate that could potentially be misrepresented. If I went to a red carpet, which I did once and once, not like on a regular basis, but I didn't want to be photographed and look to be looked compromised. Somebody grabs me in a certain way and takes a photo. And it's like, I didn't want that, which would be out of my control. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing content on social media at the time anyway. So it was just like, I had it in my control and I felt, never felt a reason to take it off. Like you said, <coughs> it was like a, a, my, it was part of, it was such a ingrained in the identity. Like to take it off felt much more like a statement than to leave it on. If anything, right? Yeah. Like, 
uh, walking around with it was so second nature to me. Then I started doing some stuff like uh, videos that were more risque and more edgy, and we talked about this in our episode with with a rabbi about it, and just how like I was, I do struggle with this idea of like I don't want, I don't, want, I'm not going to say risque edges of wearing wearing a yarmulke because that yeah. feels not respectful. Yeah, and I I wanted to have deference, like respect to it as a symbol or whatever. And then it begs the question, well, then why are you saying, you know, so I have to, so in that, I, I would take it off out of, out of respect. And then if I'm performing jokes and things like that, that are more risque and edgy mm-hmm. and I'm not going to wear a keeper while doing that. So that kind of pushed it off. But then what happens was I started to get used to not wearing it, which I yeah. did not like. And I'm like, then I caught myself on a podcast, just not, not wearing a yarmulke, which I always do wear generally. And I'm like, well, why? What am I, what am I, what's going on now? Like what happens is you just get used to not wearing it and yeah. then it's just like not there as much and I didn't like that so have to figure it out and the compromise is just like wear some kind of head cover when I perform in any capacity and yeah. just do that even though I wanna you're a fabulous fabulous yeah, head of hair. Hair. yeah. yeah <laughs> I didn't on. wear one at all until okay. I started until I started losing my hair Oh, interesting. And then it's just, no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, well, I had this. I've, I've had the same thing with my beard recently. Yeah. Um, I had I had a big beard and I wear a kippa, so like um, beautiful bushy. Like beard. Pe- people think <laughs> I'm Chabad in Tinek. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember seeing a Chabad guy walk into shul, and I thought to myself, like, like, oh, that's like um, you're Chabad passing. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, that guy's Chabad. And then, and then I was like, oh, I look exactly like that guy. Like, there's no difference between us. People must think. But so when like, I go to weddings or something, like, women wouldn't touch me and they wouldn't hug me and they wouldn't offer to hug me. Oh, uh, must have been hard. Um, which, <laughs> why did we go to weddings? Because <laughs> hey, I would go there just looking modern orthodox and it was a party. Yeah, it's like, why did I even go to these things if I'm not going to get hugs? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then I shaved my beard and then, like, oh, and you very quickly. Um, like um, you know, like just people just make all like all these. Yeah, how they respond to you? Yeah, and, and I, I was like, oh, like that, like you just assume it's okay to like do it, you know, to to grab my hand or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but then it's kind of like, sure, like you're yeah. you're I, you are you're not wearing that symbol. One of the um, things I, I hated, I, I noticed it in being out without a yamakon or a head covering. One of the things I hated was like having to go out of my way to explain to somebody. Oh yeah, I'm actually like. I'm not just like Jewish by by default. Like I'm actually very Jewish. Oh, what yes. do you mean? Oh, I'm actually like Orthodox. Oh, what do you? Because like they say, oh, come Friday. Like, but with the kippah, it it invites a conversation that I'm happy it to does. have. It does. And I and I'm like, why do I have to like backtrack right. and explain this? Like, so it's so we it felt so unfamiliar to me to have to do. That. You know, back to the Ben Shapiro thing though. Like, um, but like especially like no like when, when you're doing comedy, yeah. Like it's it really is inappropriate to make like dirty, sexually explicit jokes on stage with a yarmulke. What? Um, it is. It is. It it sh- I I don't think it should be. Maybe I maybe I'm saying that with certainty, um, but I have to think about it. Yeah, me. I I don't think it. I don't think it should be. Um, I don't know. I I let, we should talk about it. We should yeah. talk about why that is. You know but, what? But, but but what I was gonna say is I don't think there's much difference between that and what Ben Shapiro is doing publicly of sort of making like yeah hateful combative it. statements in public is like that's not like a Jewish value to to be combative and and sort of like. Not understanding and not listening and and like. Th- do you th- think Ben Shapiro? Do you me. think Ben Shapiro gets up and says, "I'm going to be hateful"? Um, like, be honest. 
Well, he, I mean, if, if he's going to do it in his keeper, I think he should One second, think about here's my it. question, yeah. though. Yeah. So are but, you saying yeah. that when, a- when you're wearing, when one is wearing a keeper, yeah. they must act fully in accordance so, to... So, I mean, I think we're humans and like ha- having these sexually explicit ideas and jokes is human. And mm. so when you're wearing a keeper, you should be able to be human. But th- there's a difference between like, ma- like making a performance out of it, I guess, and and just having a conversation, yeah. like I like I went to grad school and I didn't didn't wear my keeper because yeah. I remember we'd be in these art classes and like someone would show like a naked thing and people would kind of like look at me like is he okay with that and I'd mm. be like yeah I'm like or like in a writing class and like I want to write whatever I want I don't want you to look at me like I'm I can't share or you can't share with me in but school settings it in was school, very isolating but it's different actually. than being on stage when I found when I was in school it was much yeah. more isolating because mm-hmm. people were like are you like normal like us it definitely othered me in a lot of ways it does yeah, yeah, and, 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 and I guess to prove yeah. yourself you could be like I'm yeah. sorry sorry I don't know is yeah. it okay that I said that around you I think, are you like pious I think part of that yeah right like, no I'm, I'm the an animal I don't know if this <laughs> resonates for you but mm-hmm. for me I know that part of that has to do with my own self-confidence and 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 just being comfortable in my in my own skin mm-hmm. and i know that white skin <laughs> and, <laughs> and i know that certainly um they're they're your white male skin yeah that certainly there certainly there were times and there and maybe there will be times in the future this is the funny thing like i know for myself that i could come on buckle up again mm-hmm. at some point i'm already trying to get in at a second invite you know i want to repeat i want to mm-hmm. repeat yeah. guess that we'll yeah. see what the numbers are for uh, sure <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good um right um but, uh, I, you know, I might rethink this whole thing and, and say, like, I, I, maybe I'll come on next one without my yarmulke. I'll be like, no, actually. <laughs> Dress like a nun. I just felt like, well, I do want to get, yeah, yeah. But, 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 um, but I know that for me, it's, it's a comfort thing. And like, so. I, I totally resonated with what you were saying before of like, oh, going to a wedding, you know, and not getting a hug, even though that's something you want to do and you're comfortable doing. And like for you, like that's what, but just because you have a, like a big beard. Like, oh, no, yeah. Rabbi Michael, you know, over here, uh, <laughs> right, 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 has, right. you know, has, has walked into the building and I get it. And what I have decided even right now, so in, in LA, let's say I'm eating uh, at a non-kosher restaurant, um, you know, with a with a fr- with a colleague, with a classmate, mm-hmm. um, right? That's also, and yeah. and 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 so so here's the question: Do I take off my yarmulke or right. not? And in the past, my answer would have been absolutely. Mm-hmm. And now my answer is no. Mm-hmm. I will keep my yarmulke on, and I will go and eat at a non-kosher restaurant. Personally, I don't eat non-kosher meat, so mm-hmm. that's fine. And I don't I don't feel like the the things that I'm eating there are not kosher, right? But but. I'm fine going there now. There is this concept in yes. Judaism called maritain, marisain, which is maritain, which means that you shouldn't do things that if someone else sees you, yes. they they will think that you're doing something wrong, or that's okay for them to do. Or, that's or, the okay. issue. Or that's totally, how I think about that it's it. okay for them to. So yeah, like, my, my, somebody so, might think, oh, I guess the restaurant's kosher. Yeah, that's what. The, in the, other words, I, came actually, up, I figured out the answer. Three, two, one. Rocks, paper, scissors. Who talks? Rock, <laughs> paper, scissors. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I, <laughs> I, I, Michael. <laughs> we had something good going on. No, well, yeah. I, I, I was eating in a restaurant yeah. um, that I, we later found out is, is questionably not kosher. We would like eat meat there. And we heard a story about someone who li- literally, they thought it was not kosher. They saw me in the restaurant and called their friend and said, oh, I didn't know this place was kosher. I don't know. But you know what? 
I'm like th- that person that don't make a decision like that about yeah. where to eat. Come on, but, take some but, but, take some responsibility. I think I, I maybe totally like correct me if I'm really? wrong. Yeah, you're like, oh, that guy's that guy that guy's wearing a kippa and he but, is you know stealing from the government. So I go, I'm sure I can do no, that. No, but totally, this goes specifically to the, with restaurants. <laughs> okay, restaurants. But this okay. goes to the foundation <laughs> right. a little bit of what it means to be an individual and also part of a community. Okay, so the community thing. Interesting. So yeah. I, I figured out an answer in, t- in talking this out. Yeah. Wearing a keep on stage making a jokes that uh, may be inappropriate, that are inappropriate or in a certain context that are risque, edgy, sexual, whatever. You will be perceived as representing, you, when you're wearing a yarmulke, you are a representative right. now. Of what? I, and I know maybe you're trying to challenge that or push that. When you're going to a restaurant, putting on a keep that's not a kosher restaurant, but you're saying, I'm I'm trying to expand this perception of what what a Jew is, and it doesn't always have to be in the confines of we only are at these specific places in these specific times, and I can be out in the world in a much more open way and engage with it in a more open way. So maybe that's the case for wearing the yarmulke on stage and doing dirty jokes. But what I'm saying is there is this <coughs> there is this uh, give and take, this struggle between I'm up there just as myself, and myself wears a kippah. But when people see you, they see. A Jew amongst yeah. uh, as representative of oh, oh he's well, a Jewish no, comedian. Not just, not he's just an a Orthodox Jew, Jew, not just a Jew, a modern Orthodox. Jew. Yeah, a religious Jew. Some it's, like, it's a, it's, from a small community, from a small part of the world. It makes a bigger statement than I intend. Almost now, different than like wearing a velvet black a velvet yarmulke yeah. would be different yes. than like I, I think I, th- I think wearing personally. a kippah through God like a knitted a knitted. Yeah, yarmulke. I'll say this though. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas taking off a keep a yarmulke off of my head makes a bigger statement for me personally than I intended to. Wearing one makes a bigger statement for other people than I intended. Look, to. I I'm, I'm I think there, that's the best I'm, way to describe I'm, it. I'm totally sympathetic to you all know? this, and I I don't even disagree. Like I yeah. I get it, and that's yeah. why I also think it's a it's a personal. I'm not criticizing you by yeah. the way. No, I, I don't. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, don't does I, that I really motivate you totally? The idea of expanding the perception of what Jews are a, out in the world a little bit. You yeah. know, I I. I was actually motivated by by um, something I by someone that I saw at actually I was taking a class at Kellogg at the business school at Northwestern, mm. and one of the most popular professors at Kellogg is uh, a man of of a Sikh or a Sikh I don't know how you pronounce yeah. Sikh uh, mm-hmm. a, a you know a faith or, mm-hmm. or tradition I don't, I don't know I don't Sikh right religion, yeah. uh, um, and uh, turban and he wears a big turban mm-hmm. carries a knife. Dagger. No, not quite. You know like they that. do that. They, they no. might. He might. No, oh, maybe he does. He like under, carry oh, yeah? knives. So yeah. I don't know. Not, not anyway. necessarily out in the open. And he so he's, self defense. He was like wearing, a religious tenet wearing, in Sikhism or something, and they have a dagger that they. Can and I saw. I saw him. Whatever. I saw him walking around Kellogg, which is like you know to me. I mean, which is you know it's it's an awesome place. It's Expressed. also like it's also like the epitome of like corporate America. It's it's an American institution. Mm-hmm. It's a very um, you know well respected business school. There's a lot of business schools named Kellogg. By the way, is there is there more than one? I don't know if there's more than one. But anyway, um, no. uh, um, I made that up. There's he, an old professor <laughs> at Berkeley, I think, who taught music business named Kellogg, and I oh. glitched that in my head. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, anyway, um, back to the Sikh. So he. I'm sorry about it. What? I'm sorry about it. <laughs> no. So he. I'm, I'm crushing. So, it. You're so coughing like a beast. This, <laughs> I saw I saw this person walking around walking around the business school yeah. with his big turban. Yes. You know, uh, and um, and totally like comfortable mm-hmm. with himself yeah. and mm-hmm. engaged and friendly with students and like there and i was like why is this person walking around so proud with their head covering mm-hmm. 
and I'm embarrassed to put on a yarmulke. You know, but it's so much cooler. Like if you had a it turban, cool. you might actually cool. wear a turban. It is totally cool. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah. maybe that. Okay, would, that be, would to, that be cultural appropriate? No, to, to, no, to an like, to an outsider, it's all it's all no, different. But, but and honestly, exotic. I, to us, to him, it's like whatever. I, I feel better yeah. walking around with a big beard and a black sort of like Chabadi kippa than I do. Like what I feel like Maybe is we just think We're with, vanilla With a thing No cause it's like Cause it is It's more of like an identity Like I'm doing something The the modern orthodox kippa Is a weird thing It's like Especially like Like around Teaneck You see these kids Who are like Like crazy haircuts Mesh shorts Like insane shoes With like a tiny little thing On their head And you're yeah, like, but you like think, Why are you even wearing I want, it I want, You like, think to somebody Who was an onlooker From the outside They see that And they right. go Well that's interesting I'm sure <laughs> they do modern orthodox. I'm What's sure it? No I'm sure they do I don't think they see the difference No 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 I'm saying it's yeah. it's a hard it's a hard uh, like accoutrement yeah. to to wear. I don't I don't even know. I just wanted to so, say that. So, okay. <laughs> no, no, it's a hard word. thing to do compared to uh to compared to a turban because yeah. it's so much it's it's stranger in a way to be like I look exactly like you except for this little little thing. little tiny thing. Yeah. That's my it's my I'm like I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, it's so, confusing. Yeah. Well, okay. You're I I, I hear it. Mm. Um I totally hear it. It's interesting. They're, I'm just talking about my No, I get it. And I totally get it. I, I think that uh, two like two <coughs> things. For, first, like not only modern Orthodox Jews wear like knitted kippot. Like mm-hmm. that's something that I, I think that when we part of being uh, a Orthodox Jew, certainly and a modern Orthodox Jew is also a statement of being in a community mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it could be a theological statement, obviously. Uh, and, and it's a, a statement on many fronts, but a lot of times it's also a statement of, like you said, you know, I'm, I'm part of something. Um, but the, the truth is there are, I, I think that there are also other Jews. There are certainly Jews in the conservative movement, in the reform movement, who are also wearing uh, kippas rugas, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I think even more importantly, there's this line that uh, actually our friend Ari Schwartzberg and I, we learned this line together. Oh, um, a shout out by, of shout outs right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so Ari and I were attending a lecture by, uh, by, by this guy, um, a really phenomenal Jewish academic named Moshe Halbertel. Mm. And um, he threw out this line that he quoted from Sigmund Freud. Now, I never saw this inside, but I believe it. And mm. he talked about, um, he talked about the, um, you know, of course, after saying all of these names, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to botch the line. But he talked about basically the um, oh, what's the word? Uh, he talked about small differences and the discrepancy. No, not the discrepancy. What, what's another word for like being like distinction, like being prideful, like the um, in a bad way or a good way? No, like 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 if I'm like like someone Full that's like, like dignity. Yeah, no, like like, like the arrogance of small differences. No, no. what's the oh, line? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the soft big. No, oh, not man. dignity of difference. No, not the no, dignity of difference. Dignity. That's sacks. The yeah. the Sachs. of small difference. I think I wrote it down at one point. So I'm gonna check my notes. The, Is that like a faux pas to do that? No, no. To check my no, notes. J- Jamie. Just, <laughs> Jamie. Yeah, we need our Jamie. Yeah, the something well, something available. The something of small differences. I know. Ben no, he the, never. He didn't respond to the, my story that I tagged him in. What was that asshole? <laughs> the, I offered okay. him a job. I feel like I need. I feel like I need to start this again. Yeah. The narcissism of small differences. Uh, right. Sigmund okay. Freud talks about the narcissism of small, of small differences. Explain that. And and so I I think it's that at least my takeaway of mm-hmm. of what that means is 
there are these small differences that we kind of pick up on and we we think that they're like we're so important because mm. or you know because we are that so i think about that for example when it comes to like my own upbringing mm. so i grew up in an ultra orthodox uh, world mm -hmm. an ultra orthodox community in jerusalem mm -hmm. right most of my childhood age 6 to 13 i lived in israel right mm -hmm. so oftentimes i tell that to people and they say oh ultra orthodox jews you mean like Me'asharim? And my response used to be, no, <laughs> not that. Mm -hmm. And then the older I got, the more I realized like, okay, it wasn't that, but like, is it that different? Mm. And then, so like what you were saying before, like, okay, like Teaneck, which is a modern Orthodox community and like, let's say Muncie or parts of Muncie, like where my parents live, yeah. they're different because one's modern Orthodox and one's Orthodox. Orthodox. <laughs> they're very different. But are they that different? And then, and you kind of, you could kind of keep on expanding in that way. And you realize that actually these like little differences that we think are because we we're in them and yeah. we think they're so significant, certainly to an outsider. Yeah. I'm not talking about an outsider. I'm talking about for you to oh, put for it For me on. personally. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but that's also it, like sibling rivalry. Like we don't get into it with strangers. Like these communities are all siblings of each other because they're adjacent in a way. So you feel this need to like, Distinguish yeah, yourself. Yeah, to talk about the diversity. Sorry, anyway, sorry. No, no, I mean, I, I yeah. just, I understand for from my own experience of like, at a certain point, especially in college, it was like, mm. it was like, um, like, it, it felt more, like, it, it felt more insincere to have my keeper on. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. this, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not representing this and I don't even care. And, yeah, um, and, and that's kind so, of it. So for me to put it on and off, like, um, is, it, it's so easy to take it on and off also. When you're, by the way, I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I, I feel the same way is, is, and, and, and that's why, um, like I, I will end up taking off my yarmulke sometimes. And, mm -hmm. and what I told Ruthie, my wife is that, um, when it feels more just authentic and sincere to me, and when I'm just more comfortable without it, I'm just not going to wear it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to also make an effort to wear it yeah. when I can, but, but I'm, I'm with yeah. you at the end of the day, like, I think it's just important to like go about and like be a person in the world where you are feeling comfortable. And mm -hmm. I think that's also part of what authentic means. Mm -hmm. And so if it means wearing a yarmulke, great. If not, I, I have a friend okay who, um, who like wears it all around. He lives in New Hampshire and he wears it all around. And, um, and I always think about like for him, for him, it's one thing. I, I can't imagine how many people on a yearly basis see him from a distance, see his yarmulke from a distance who have no amount of Judaism in their life. And like they keep, they light the candles or something like it, it, it like not, not even just for you to wear your kippah, but like someone else sees you being comfortable in it and it like could change their whole life. It could change yeah. their whole week. It could change yeah. their whole year. Um, so, so yeah. So like you're saying, you wanted to intentionally, uh, wear a symbol out. It like it has these rippling effects. It totally, um, people are inspired by any any authenticity. Yeah. Real any any traces yeah. of it tend to ignite it in others. Yeah. And it's kind of a, also I find it to be a little more interesting. Yeah. to go through the world for sure. Wearing a yarmulke for sure. I found once I got out of school, like in school, it was a weird thing where it kind of felt like these people who everyone's trying to find their people. Mm -hmm. It I, I got kind of pushed out of that got where it. they didn't feel like uh -huh. I didn't know I did what I would feel that way once I got to like the work and professional world everybody it was always like that's like it, it was much more of an asset 
yeah. and a liability. Everyone was always curious. Spark conversation. Anyone who was remotely Jewish would say like, yeah, like I had a bar mitzvah. Like oh, they wanted to talk about it with me. Right. And anyway, I'd be like, oh, okay. I'm just trying to get a show. So like, <laughs> you could talk about your bar mitzvah. I don't give a shit. Like, if you could place my song in your yeah. show, that'd be great. Yeah. No, yeah. Just kidding. But it would do that. And I would be like, you know, being in the world as yourself is, is important and people like that. Yeah. Um, we're just about at the mark. But what I want to say is a few things. What's the mark? There really isn't one. It just kind of feel. It just we just kind of feel the it. Mark. We haven't acknowledged the paint job. Yeah, <laughs> Tully, you're the first guest with the new paint job in the studio upgrade 2.0. What an honor! Thanks. And your keeper is the same color as it. Is uh, it just house. blending in? So, <laughs> so it doesn't look like this whole episode. What is he talking about? <laughs> no one knows you're wearing one. Yeah, we got the new couch. New couch. New beard. New paint job. Uh, season two. Season this is two. Season two. It's off to a good episode. start. Yeah. Um, and before we wrap it up, Tully, are there any things that you have changed your mind on that today you feel more certain of. Is there anything you feel certain of in these in the things that we were talking about before? You said you've been changing oh, your mind like, over Oh, the years. like have I changed it like throughout this conversation? No, no, in general. Like you said, like over the years, I've been able to change my mind and open my like mind up more. Um, you're like, more what, open what, like what would be an example? Yeah, are there things, or like you were so suspect of certainty to a fault. Are there places you're more comfortable with being certain about? It's a general question, but... Well, kind of. Like, what kind I, I of would things? Say, I would say that the, the answer to the question is like. Uh, so I think I think it's Adam Grant has the has this line of like like um, argue like you're right, listen mm. like you're wrong. Mm. You Grant, know? full of them gems. Yeah, 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 and um, and so I don't have a problem with with people saying like like you could be certain. It's good to be confident and certain, yeah. and also to listen and. Yeah, there's a constant balance yeah. that uh, you know that that has to. No, because you said before one of the things that's so off-putting to you about like the modern punditry and political, uh, you know, the, you know the back and forth that goes on in the in in like political media and the conversation is like everyone is just so certain of themselves. There's no yeah. trace of openness, open-mindedness, curiosity, um, of like being open to something else. But you're and you've always made an effort to try to maintain that yeah. openness. Can I um, answer for you? Yeah, I, imagine, I also have another answer. Uh, yeah, you become you more certain that like listening is important, <laughs> um, like or like that that we're gonna get to answers through listening and not only that hardness. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm. and I've become more intentional at tr- at at first of all understanding that I'm not always as good of a listener as I'd like to be, mm. and also trying to become a better listener. So a hundred percent. And also to answer your question, like there is an area, let's say right now, that I'm not really like there are always areas that I'm like not really very willing to listen to like Mm. so much uncertainty. So one example would be, for example, the war in Ukraine, Russia's Mm. war in Ukraine, which I've been really in many many ways. We've covered it. Yeah. (laughs) No, I've been I've been consumed by it and I don't have a lot of tolerance especially at this point and knowing what I know um, for like, you know, well, you know, you're the only one I know who still cares, which is admirable. You know, yeah, I, wait, sadly, what do you sadly, mean you're like you're what do you, what, what do you mean you're you're like steeped in it? What do you do? You read articles? And no, you've he's been passionately outspoken. I, I'm really I'm really passionate about it, and I will tell you, like I, I about I, what like support for the Ukrainian yeah, people, like the like cause. like like the suffering of yeah. of of the Ukrainian. Well, I imagine mean, an awful article about a mass grave of 459 people they found yeah. on 13 children and torture chambers. It's it was just, awful. It's but done by Russians are, to are Ukrainians. People who are saying like the Russian invasion are Russian is good. Apologists. Yes, yes, there are Russian. Yeah. Yeah. In, in your in your world, there's uh, not so much. Well, there, yeah, I mean, not so much I in my know, world. But I it did, started now. Yeah. About, remember, we said at the time. 
when it first happened, Michael and I were like, there's very rare times in history where everybody is just very clear. Like, this just seems wrong across the board. Eventually, <coughs> it'll start to get into the weeds of ugly arguments back and forth, pro against things like that. But right now, Russia's just invaded Ukraine and everybody, there was this, this crystallizing moment. We were like, what the hell is wrong with... What, like, he's, it was clear who the villain was, who the, who the, who the hero was, yeah. you know. Uh, Zelensky. Zelensky was the hero. Yeah. You know, everybody. He had like world, but now it's gotten muddier because things got muddier a little bit. Like it came out that certain factions in the Ukrainian uh, military that were fighting for Ukraine weren't always, weren't necessarily like the Nazi element of it. That there were like factions of it that were far right. You didn't hear about this? I mean, the, the, you know. Just things that confused you. And not, yeah. I'm not taking a position, but you started I'm, to hear I'm, about. But either way, things. that's what's happening. People but that's are, what happened. It started to, to get muddy. Okay. And, 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 okay. and even before that, even before that, I had a conversation with someone who's close to me yeah. who said, "Well, you know, you don't know. There's so many weird things. You know, weird yeah, things yeah. in this world. We really don't know." Well, that's this? the type of thing I would say. I think yeah. also. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 so like that. Also, my my. My like thought also behind that is like that's also why I think, and I this is not a uh, very well thought out, mm -hmm. like lots of things, and again willing to rethink. Yeah. But this is also why I think I told this person I was like this is why like liberal arts education is actually important because mm -hmm. you understand how to form opinions mm -hmm. and you do understand you're not just skeptical about every single thing in the world and you do understand what sources to read and mm -hmm. and and. and you know, and to critical. Think, yeah, critical to be, thinking. yeah, critical thinking is really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not very, uh, I'm not very tolerant of that. And no, I, I mean, I try to do things like in my personal life. I don't, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure why specifically the Ukraine thing hit me harder than lots of other things. I mean, I, I, I have some ideas. Uh, I mean, I had, I'd visited, visited there pretty recently. Yeah. We're in just Odessa. to be, but yeah. also just to be clear, like a lot of the. Stuff I'm hearing in the form of pushback is not like pro-Putin stuff. It's more like there's other interest Prayer, involved yeah. in supporting Ukraine in from behind the scenes from America giving weapons and supporting Ukraine gets us into a hot war with Russia, which we've never had before. Like we're closer to war with Russia than we ever were in the Cold War because right. so, we're funding potentially a nuclear war from behind the scenes. So, and we've made a lot of foreign policy decisions that have potentially made things more hostile or provoked these kinds of things. I don't know. I'm not taking a position on it. But this is the kind of things that are being thrown and out And that there. kind of thing bothers you? Like that sort of... that Because that seems like a pretty like even-keeled But it bothers you in the sense that wrongdoing has been done and like why no, can't we just be clear I, about Not it? necessarily. I, I think that if... I think if someone said, um, you know, what Russia is doing is 100% wrong... Um, and you know, we got to do everything that we possibly can um, to to support the Ukrainian people, etc. Um, and 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 that person would say they have a position about the way that support should or shouldn't be manifested. No, I, I mean, Ugh. I might agree or disagree yeah, with them. Right. Um, but no, I, I'm just I, I was just bringing that as an example of like like but to me right now to there's that, a clear so. good. And evil, mm -hmm. and and that's not always true in lots of things. Like I, I like living right. in the gray and mm -hmm. living between the lines, and right. you know, and all that. And over here, to me, there's a black and a white, or right. not a black, whatever, a, a clear, you know. But what to do yeah. about it is not clear. That's the problem. And that's where that's where a lot of the 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 weeds go. It's like the details of like you know we have a nuclear power in Russia, and in supporting Russia, the, the people fighting to stand up to Russia, you could risk getting America into, like, that, those are the concerns. 
Because there's a choice in war between bad and worse. Yeah. So where the bad is and where the worse is is hard to find. That's the problem. It's not where the moral clarity is, is what you're talking about. Yeah. But then what to do about it, how to approach it, how to... Like, what do you do? Yeah. I, 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 I don't have the answer. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But I totally get the concern of, like, wanting to get entangled in a in a, in a regional conflict as, as horrible as it might be. Can you... Can you police the world or solve every? Right. I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's a regional conflict, but that. But yeah, I mean, I'm I would, only saying I, I would that, leave that in the sense that it's would, not here at our doorstep. Yeah, it's over there. I understand, and not, not right now. I, I, I would, I would, and that leave. Russia will can turn the yeah. lights off yeah. in all of in all of Europe, and they're going into winter, and no one will have energy, and a lot of people will suffer. So there is this problem where people have become. From my limited understanding of this, a lot of Western Europe is dependent on Russia for energy and the pipelines and things like that, and he could. What's going to happen in the winter is he'll flip the switch off. I don't think it's just, I don't think that's the way it works. He doesn't have just a switch. And I think people are. It, so you could see. Yeah. You're not, you're I, not listening. I, I, you, yeah. Look, you're having a hard time listening. I. I well, okay, okay. Fair enough. Michael it's Carter. true. Yeah. That is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. true. Yeah. I'm not, no, I'm not having a hard time listening. Uh, Which I, is what you said. I'm, I'm not calling you out. No, 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 no. Well, yeah. A no, little bit. You, no, no. you weren't like you were 10 minutes ago. You're right. No, no. I, I, I agree with you. You're, you're right. <laughs> you're right about that. Yeah. What I'm right. What 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 I'm saying is what I'm saying is is that is that is that yeah I, um, based on my understanding and and again I kind of like like it's funny because like I think just like this analysis like I I tend to read people who I think are like really knowledgeable and and, and smart about oh, this I like people that. no like people like Tim Snyder and Michael McFall and like you know these are. Yeah. Tim Snyder was at Yale and Michael McFall is, uh, you know, at Elitist. Stanford and, yeah. and, and, you know, former ambassador to mm-hmm. Russia um, under Obama. And like th- these are these are people. Uh, and 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 by the way, I've been also I've been able through Northwestern and stuff like that. I've also been able to listen to a lot of um, people inside of Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. So both, you know, uh, people that teach at uh, at at you know, at one of the universities there mm-hmm. and stuff. like. That. So anyway, um, so I have opinions on this and I do think that. Um, you know, people treat Putin in a way that he does not need to be tre- treated. I don't think he just has a light switch. And um, so, yeah, like, you're right. I, I do have a... Shorthand I, I have talk a take- for the idea that, like, Germany and a lot of countries that have put a lot of efforts into clean energy have become very dependent on Russian... No, no, no totally. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying... I'm and not, therefore, it's like messing with them can cost a lot. I'm not, making a, a lot I'm not making a statement... Uh, I don't know how I'm true not, that is, I'm not but. making a statement of, of whether you're right or you're wrong. Um, I might have an opinion, but I, I'm not making a statement of that. But just to react to you, you're right. Um, for me, because I'm so deep into that yeah. kind of topic, it is difficult for me to listen to things that are not just like, no, we absolutely 100% have to support Ukraine yeah. in any way, shape, or form possible. And yeah, it's, it, is, it is much harder for me to listen but, to, to criticism. But you making harder. that concession so yeah. immediately proves the point too. So there you go, until he's able to you know, hear what you're saying and immediately agree with you. Yeah, yeah, but but you could see, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you could understand, like, like you're getting physically agitated. Totally. Like that's how people feel when yeah, these totally. when these things come up, and it's yeah. it's hard. It's like yeah. physically hard. Yeah. To, it's like, when you spoke, really you talk it. shit about Ben. I was physically. Really yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got a little erect, also. Semi. But anyway, it's fun. Yeah, that's well. To, here's to staying open and keeping an open mind. I always yes. admire that about Tully's case. 
Come back again sometime. Uh, it would be an honor. You know, we'll get more into the, we'll get more into things. Absolutely, yeah, it's really fun. Absolutely, I love, great, I love talking. Great, great episode. It's probably. It's oh working. yeah. So and 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 oh, yeah. hopefully I'll have you guys on uh, on my podcast. Ah uh, yes, I have been on Tully's ass for years to get into the podcast. You're space. natural, man. We oh, know, we're gonna Neil and Tully are gonna like far outpace us. Well, oh, I I will just tell the world great. that that not only has Ami been on my case, Ami bought me a microphone, which is amazing, and it's gonna that's a real friend. Yeah, real friend. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna by yourself you're gonna have guests. so i i already started a podcast with uh my friend and classmate alma kiroga mm-hmm. from my program at, mm-hmm. uh, at school um uh, who's who's wonderful and and we're we're similar and different in many different ways should i get a more diverse co-host <laughs> <laughs> i identify as a woman um yeah um <laughs> n- no i mean like uh you know, but uh, maybe more diverse guests. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm the problem. Uh, anyway, um, it's a Hebrew national sausage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Alma and I just okay. started uh, a podcast. Um, What's it called? We're working on it, but right now we're calling it the Tuli and Alma podcast. Uh-huh. Um, but we're 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 open to suggestions. Yeah. We're working on it. We Alma we, and Tuli for starters. Well, <laughs> we talked about that. It's, yeah, and. And I, I had said it should, maybe it should be Alma and Tully, but she said Tully, the, the Tully and Alma podcast Tully and Alma. Alma seemed pod. to flow Tully podcast than the Alma, Alma and pod. Tully I podcast. Hear, yeah. I hear that. She's good. <laughs> she is good. She is. She's really good. Palma. And, and, um, Palma pod. Right. Well, yeah, are, you, are you talking about IO Psych stuff? Exactly. So we're talking about people at work. And, and Tully's on his way there also, and a solo cast in the works. He's got is, two he, in the works is now. Is people at work taken? I that's don't know because I like that name. I, I kept I on telling Alma, name. let's just call it people. She's like, I oh, that's what everyone. Else. I don't know. So it is good. There's no, a band really called Men at I mean, Work. People at Work. Work Life. Adam Grant's podcast is Work Life, and that's yeah. pretty close. And he's it's so good. But people at Work's good. I, I like, like people work. at Work. Yeah, I do. I don't know if it's taken. Let's huh. see. People at Work. Yeah, because it's everything. It's it's just like also what you're doing in the moment. Yeah. People at work, like people, people at, work, at work physically, but people at work, like thinking things. Oh, that's what I mean. Like people at work, like you're always. Working on yourself, people at work is the one. That's what I vote for. Work at people. Work at people. Weeple. <laughs> I like people at work. Yeah, there's something that flows to me. Yeah, well, from an outsider, I, I imagine if you're in that world, you're like, oh, that's like the most common phrase. We can't just use it. But from the outside, it's it's a very descriptive. I've never heard it before, and it's a very descriptive. I get exactly what it is mm-hmm. yeah. as soon as you say it. Yeah. And also, um, Michael's, and good at, Michael's very good at copy yeah. and catchphrasy yeah. stuff. Yeah, so I, like I would that. trust him. Yeah. Yeah. It might, yeah. Also, like when you're inside, things sound kitschy. You're, and then from the outside, that's fair. people are like, you know. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Helpful. So, Alma, yeah. if you're listening or watching, <laughs> she probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will. I, I will be sending this so around. I can't wait for the so. People at Work podcast next yeah. episode. Yeah. Is, um, is it out? Can people find uh, it? Yeah, our first our first episode's out. Cool. The, awesome. You know, Tully and, Alma, uh, uh, Tully and Alma. Tully and Alma. Tully and Alma. meaning we have. But you can update the caption. It depends on when this comes out. Yeah. Maybe at that point you you got to look for both yeah. on Spotify, YouTube. <laughs> that is Tully Skase, ladies and gentlemen, on the Buckle Up Podcast, episode forty three. Fingers in. Thank you so much for being here. You've seen enough episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being Jewish, right. proud, thoughtful, open. That's Tully's case, keep ladies and gentlemen. Baby. <laughs> episode forty. We'll see you next time. Woo! Don't wear a keeper. Stop listening. <laughs> no, baby, all, yeah, all the power to anyone. Wear your keeper. Don't wear your keeper. Be who you Just are. Just to be who you be are, who you your are. most expressed, authentic self, yeah. and we should all become Sikh. Yes. <laughs> That's Tully's case, ladies and gentlemen. See you next Seekers. time. Seekers.